Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. How's it going, everybody? You are listening to the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. You are listening to episodes that did play in the past on my radio show on Radio Free Brooklyn of the same name. That comes out every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. So if you want to listen to the episodes the day they come out, that's every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. You're about to hear the episode where I interviewed the man behind the Lord of the Rings universe, J.R.R. Tolkien, played by comedian Peter McNerney, and German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, played by comedian Will Jacobs. It was a great episode. Uh, Don't forget to buy my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is me making fun of Kellyanne Conway for like 140 pages. It is super funny and available now. Also, leave a review of this podcast. Rate us five stars. Tell your friends. Tell your friends about the book. Review my book. Do all the stuff. Hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com if you have any feedback at all. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Friedrich Nietzsche and J.R.R. Tolkien only on Famous Dead People. It's time. Time to start the show. Famous Dead People. Oh, you know, famous dead people, famous dead people, famous stories stuck in the head. You're gonna hear awful from me, and so all these people are dead. My guests today on Famous Dead People are the early 20th century writer and poet behind the Lord of the Rings trilogy, J.R.R. Tolkien. Hello. And 19th century German writer and philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. Uh, guten Tag. It's good to be here. Uh, Mr. Nietzsche, uh, Mr. Tolkien, thank you so much for joining us on Famous Dead People. It's uh, my pleasure. Oh, Entschuldigung. It's so good to be here. Um, now, we don't normally have, normally we don't have people on the show who are in uh, similar fields. You're both authors. You've both, you've both written books. But I do think there's a good disparity between you two because... I'd say. I would describe... Yeah you, Mr. Nietzsche, as a philosopher yeah. more than a writer, right? Like, that's not a that's not a stretch. I know that you wrote some fiction, but it's not a stretch to call you mainly a philosopher, yeah, right? Yeah, most of my fiction was never actually published, but uh, I did have a, uh, a flair for the fiction, and okay. I enjoyed making up stories uh, that I thought would uh, impart lessons onto the children of the world. Okay, so, like, you would maybe take your philosophy and, like, and, like, turn it into, like, a work of fiction, almost the way that, like, and Anne Rand like took her political philosophy and made it into fiction. Oh, you know, that's Snowsville, sort of am I right? Uh, I've never read any, but people say that nobody it's good. has, <laughs> as far as I'm aware. Yeah, I use uh, I'm very short, so I use Ayn Rand's books mostly as uh, boosters Ooh, for my seats at the table. Oh, yeah. That um, is a burn, and, uh, Ayn Rand. Oh, uh, I enjoy uh, I enjoy uh, a putting and a farting on them very much because <laughs> I, I do not enjoy her philosophy and I do not like her writing. I use it to prop up my cookie jar on top of my refrigerator oh. um, because I reach up and I, it's a little too high, and then I see it. I'm like, oh, I'm not hungry anymore. Yuck! Mm. Oh, Yucky. that's that's a really uh, adorable deterrent. You know, to to put your cookies too high for you to reach them, J.R. It belittles me in a healthy way, I find. Yeah, well, it's also like, I'm imagining as you're going up to get a cookie, you sort of like pass the book and you look at it. Yes, exactly. And just the, just, I don't know, maybe the... the, Uh, uh, Ennui... Yeah, what's what's the word for like her philosophy? Where like if you if you if you're weak, then you should die, and you know I like think that sounds nobody, nobody I think should. that's a pretty good encapsulation. Yeah, I yeah think, but there's a um, word for it. It's like objective selfishness or something. I forget what it is. I yeah. think it's called the underman. The um, underman. Yeah. Well, I know that you had yeah. something similar yeah. of like the the overman. You know, but we'll we'll get to your philosophies in just a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but so like, what were the sort of things that you wrote in fiction? Because I wrote I read like a lot of your. 
philosophical stuff and treatises when I was in college, mm-hmm. but I never read like any just like legit, you know, straight fictions of yours. Like, like what kind of what kind of territory? Oh are we going yeah, in? yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite story was about a little boy uh, going into the boysenberry bush near his uh, near his uppa's uh, house. Okay, and it is. Oh, what, a, was, what was the name of this book, by the way? This uh, was called. Um, well, it eventually was called Zaspek uh, Zarathustra, but it was originally just a, oh. a little short story that I wanted to write. Um, That's interesting. So, so one of your big philosophical books yeah. started as as like a like a children's fiction. Yeah, 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 yeah. I now was... you're speaking my language. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except for that title in which you literally weren't. <laughs> uh, what is Zaspek? Yeah, that's in English. Well, with with yeah. the Zaspek accent, it sounds, it sounds like he's speaking in German. Yeah. Uh, you I... weren't? That's It sounded German to me. No, no. Das, das spoke. It's like, so he spoke, uh, but it is not translated. What? It's just the English. Yeah. That was just the English translation. I, did not, I think it's just I the did accent. Not hear it. I think it's just the accent, uh, yeah. Mr. Tolkien, oh, that boy. you're missing out on. As somebody who engineered yeah. languages, I would think that you would have a keener ear for that sort of thing. You, you know, know, a lot of people would say that. They'd think, oh, you must have a keen ear because you're a linguist, mm-hmm. right? Literally. And you invented languages. Well, it was mostly as a replacement for the nonsense I was hearing all around me. So you just, you just couldn't understand other people talking. And so you thought. It, it very much was like, what do you say? <laughs> I can do that too. That's amazing. I wow. just started writing so it down amazing. to mock So you're people. elvish from mm-hmm. your books. Yes. And I guess whatever orc languages are in the books also was just you making it's just you making fun of what you thought people this, around you were saying each language i devised was me mocking a specific person in my <laughs> life so my ah. my professor boingle uh, who was a professor very, boingle boingle yes he was boingle. swedish um okay. and he taught and he was had a very guttural jowly and i'd say oh i'm professor boingle <laughs> Orkish. There you go. Write Orkish. it down. Sounds wow. like a Swedish man to me. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Up top, my friend. I do not like the Swedes. Yeah, well, I do not like them, and I will not talk about them. Nietzsche, putting people on burn notice this Fair entire enough. show. But sorry, we keep on interrupting. Like, what was the story of fiction that eventually became your great philosophical treatise of Thus, thus Spoke Zarathustra? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a, yeah. Little, boy named, it's a little boy named Klaus, and he okay. was uh, very hungry for some boysenberries, which is a very tart berry, mm-hmm. and they're great for uh, making a boysenberry pie. Uh, the delicious. Um, or, or, or some gooseberry. And he, mm. he could not, the, his favorite gooseberry bush had been burnt down recently by the evil neighbor, Zarathustra. Do you say, would you say that a burn, a bush burns down or it just burns? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I, Is this some sort of riddle, JR? I, I don't know. It, I, I like love a, riddles. A building burns down, Listen, Mr. But a Tolkien, bush simply burns. I, I think that uh, you you could argue that a bush has like a structural integrity to it, and then once it burns to a certain level, yes, it collapses. It maybe doesn't, it doesn't feel like the most appropriate description. Does I mean, it? maybe uh, you know we, we don't need to have a semantic argument. You're about right. This, I'm sorry for know. interrupting. All right, I, now perhaps I misspoke. Uh, this is not <laughs> perhaps, but it certainly does not burn up. Yeah, let's let's give. Oh, I guess it does, it does burn, burn up. up. It does, yes. but oh, now that I say it out loud, it very much does burn up. Let's, okay, yeah. so his burnt. His, his bush has burnt up. I, okay. Now yeah. I'm on board. Now his favorite give, gooseberry bush. Let's give Nietzsche like a little bit of credit. English is not his first language, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So like, you know, let's like give him a little leeway here, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm mockery is <laughs> in my blood. <laughs> That's true. 
I love that. You know, keep it inside. Maybe make a new language out of it later, if okay, you like. I'm going to think of a new language for you, Jared <laughs> Berenstein. Oh, you can do a language based on how you think I sound. I will premiere it in 10 to 25 minutes. Hmm? Oh, wonderful. Anyway, so uh, you were saying this yeah. young boy, his favorite boysenberry bush has burned no. up? No, 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 no. His favorite gooseberry bush has gooseberry burnt bush. up. Okay. His favorite gooseberry bush has burnt up, and he's very sad. And he wakes up in the morning, and he says, Oh, what, what, what am I supposed to do? My favorite gooseberry bush. <laughs> my favorite, my very favorite. It's very sad. And he's very sad. He's very, my favorite gooseberry bush has burnt up. That's the gooseberry bush where I go and I play and I eat. And I, it is my best friends in the world. And mm-hmm. it has been burnt by my neighbor, Zarasustra, um, which was a very common name at the time. Zarasustra? Zarasustra. Zarasustra. It is a, one of the hardest book titles I think I've ever had to say in my entire life. Thus spoke Zarathustra. It's a real tongue twister. I still yeah. don't hear it. <laughs> Well, I feel like if you are willing to pronounce the title, you're more than willing to uh, keep up with the content of the book, which mm-hmm. gets pretty heady after a while. Okay. Can you um, tell me, I mean, I feel like we're, we, we've been circling the beginning of this book for a long time. Like, what eventually happens to this kid? Let's well, straight to the end. We are yeah. about 400 pages of the book. The, <laughs> a, a, good, a good quarter well, of the me... book is just this boy waking up and realizing... <laughs> <laughs> reminiscing about his favorite gooseberry bush, I love a which lot is a of, lot. I love a lot of unnecessary details. Mm-hmm. This is something that you do have in I common. assure you, none of the details are <laughs> unnecessary. I assure you, read oh. the book, there are no unnecessary well, let details. Let me just say, like, so if I was going to have to, if I was going to, like, um, you know, summarize... Uh, you know the uh, uh the brothers um brothers Karamazov by Dostoevsky. I would say like you know oh yeah. they're these brothers um yeah. you know like one of them's in love with a girl yeah uh you know he sort of you know gets accused of killing his dad. You're already you further know. than I ever read it. <laughs> wow, wow, that sort of thing. Like like can you can you give us like a two sentencer on the on the the plot of this four hundred page book that would eventually become. Your philosophical treatise, Thus Spoke Zarathustra. Yeah. Um, essentially, a boy gets into a vigorous wrestling match with his neighbor, Zarathustra. Ooh, okay. Over uh, past grievances. Interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. It almost I, maybe has like a, not to, not to do a, a Russian author thing here, but it has kind of like a crime and punishment kind of kind of themes to it, it feels like. Yeah, very much so. The crime and punishment I haven't read for a while, but mm-hmm. I love cops and robbers story, <laughs> and I, I love... Anything I am a very long time. Oh, I am (laughs) apparently. If you watch uh, Criminal Minds or uh, any of the famous uh, True Detective, Blue Blue Collar, um, Angel Eyes. Mm -hmm. That's an old Jennifer Lopez. I I haven't started season two of True Detective yet. I saw Angel Eyes. Isn't that weird? I saw it in the theaters. Like, was a movie that nobody remembers. I remember it quite well. Did you see? You haven't seen Angel Eyes, have you? I know the movie. I uh, don't <laughs> ask me why, but even I know no one saw that. I movie. was I was at my parents' place in Pennsylvania, which is like a, a small town where there's not a lot to do, and I just had like too much free time, so I went to the movie theater, and the only thing that was playing was Angel Eyes with Jennifer Lopez, and so I saw. What's it. the verdict? Um, well, God, I think I was at an age where I wasn't uh, distinguishing between movies that were good and bad yet, and so I was like, yeah, that was a movie. You know, no. it was a movie. I didn't really have a problem. My with it. review, it was a it movie. It was a movie. Uh, let's move I on to uh, fantastic. to Mr. Tolkien here for a moment. So the yes. bulk of your work obviously it takes place in the fictional Middle Earth. Um, you know, Middle this is Earth. this is the 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 bulk of your of your notoriety comes from the Lord of the Rings books and the Hobbit. Um, it's described as high fantasy, yes. and I'm wondering if you think that's an accurate description, high fantasy, and well, what, what would you say is like high fantasy? If we're going to be perfectly honest, I was very high while writing most of it. 
Really? And oh, so like you yes, were yes, yes. You were taking mm-hmm. some sort of drug and then escaping into the world of Middle Earth? I mean, I had a lot of people that I couldn't understand and I was trying to mock them and I was like, <laughs> everyone's voices are cacophonous and it's uh, driving me mad. Mm-hmm. I'm going to smoke a doob and then I'm going to uh, get down with my quill. Okay. And yes, so- and... People didn't use quills. Wow. But I did. Just yeah, it's a throwback. You know? I was a nerdy kid. You know, uh, you know, Woody Allen still used the typewriter. You know, I love like, He knows computers exist, right? Yeah. yeah. I love your books, and I think they really rang true for me. I grew up oh, surrounded by several much? hobbits uh, in the East Prussia. And I, I I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. But not actual, not actual yes. hobbits, right, Nietzsche? Yeah, how you described them. They were very short. And they were very hairy feet. And they would always be off on a, a crazy adventures. Really? I, I find that hard to believe. Uh, okay, because I came up with the concept of hobbits when I was uh, 13 years old. I was very pimpled-faced, and I said, Hey, my friends, I, I have um, I've, I have a story about tiny people and elves. And they'd say, Get lost, J.R. What does that stand for? <laughs> Just a ridiculous, ruddy Tolkien. So you were, even at that young of an age, being referred to by the initials and not by your actual well, names. Those are very mean words. I insisted on being called J.R.R., and everyone said, You are, you are Nerdsville. <laughs> My friend. And I was like, I'll show you. Well, why? Let me ask you. Maybe we should step back and say, like, why was your desire to be known as J.R.R. Tolkien instead of your just just your name? Okay. Imagine your. Which is John, by the way, right? Let's. Is it, I, is it John? Uh, I'm like I'm like Jack White, <laughs> where I don't like to confirm details of my life. It makes Ooh, me more mysterious. Okay. So we don't even know what the J and the R and the R stand for. Imagine, if you will. I can look it up. But... You're in middle school. And okay. your friend comes up to you and says. I shall now be known as J.R.R. Tolkien, mm-hmm. and I'm wearing elf ears. Would you like to come to my fantasy club? I got punched in the nose a lot. Did you? Well, I mean, I, I shouldn't sound surprised. Like, I just surprised that you would do that and think that it was a good idea. That's very interesting you say that, because I have punched Jack White in the nose before. <laughs> so you I two mean, have that in common as well. I mean, that guy's asking for it. Why, really? did, you, why did you punch Jack White in the nose, Nietzsche? Well, he got on me about one of my stories, one of my uh, later stories. Uh, one, of your, one of your fictions or one of your philosophical This is one books. of my fictions that I, uh, I was inspired to write after seeing uh, the Star Wars Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I loved that movie and I thought it was a yeah, really, great, a, a great really amazing um, exploration of the, the human spirit. Um, I liked all of the all of the lasers as well, and I I wanted to write a story that surrounded <laughs> that was surrounded by uh, uh, lasers at all times. So mm-hmm. it was a it was very laser centric. Um, uh, morality tale. Interesting. Uh, and Jack White, he emailed me and he said, this is not ringing true for me. I play the guitar. And I said, Jack White, you can come to my house and discuss it with me <laughs> or we can come to fisticuffs. And he chose to come to fisticuffs. It is so weird to me that Jack White would this is just... not just ringing true to would me. Would to send you an email just to let him know he didn't like your book? That's so weird. He is a very mean-spirited uh, I mean, I individual. Didn't, I didn't think so until hearing that story, but I guess he's just real petty. I wonder how many books... I wonder where, how many... How many people Jack White has written just to let him know he didn't like something that they did? C.S. Lewis did that to me. Really? Well, yes. you guys were friends when you were. Uh, uh, when you were... Uh, we were the two biggest nerds in school. And oh, so okay. We tolerated each other, and I said, mm. "I'm gonna out nerd you." He goes, "No, I'm gonna out nerd you." Hey, so you were trying to be oh. nerdier than each other. That well, doesn't... we had no one else because everyone ridiculed us. So I said, "Ah, I'm gonna create a fantasy world." He goes, "I'm gonna create one." <laughs> And it's going to have a lion named uh, uh, 
was it as as I want to say as Aslan 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 mine was in Harry Potter that's just Israel I think the giant lion named Aslan if you're just joining us this is famous dead people on radio for Brooklyn and my guests today are 19th century German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche hello and the early 20th century writer and poet behind the book The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings trilogy J.R.R. Tolkien hello and we were just discussing how C.S. Lewis and named his main character Aslan Aslan that's what I told him I was like, it was oh, Aslan. Welcome to Aslan. Oh the, children, the children loved Aslan. That was, he was a, their that was savior. A, that was just a, a, it's just a Jesus story. The children loved Aslan. He was their best friend. I don't understand what is funny. They oh, loved children, Aslan. The neither children, did CS. Neither did CS. The children would go on a magical journey to get to Aslan. It's it seems like an analogy that is that it. it it would have made some red flags raise if, if, I, if someone had given me that book. Well, this is CS. I called him Crap, sh- crap Shit Lewis. Crap Shit Lewis. Who Take in that. their right mind, given that opportunity, is not searching for Aslan? <laughs> if I find a magical portal in my wardrobe, I am going to Aslan as soon as possible. Oh. I don't understand why it is so. Why it is a joke. I love that book. and oh. I, 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 You're uh, incorrigible. I let love me, Aslan. Let me ask you a question about when you were a child, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, because yeah. you were a gifted student, but according to Wikipedia, uh, you had a penchant for pursuing subjects that were, quote, considered unbecoming. And there's not a lot of information about what you exactly were studying that was unbecoming. Can you tell us what were the subjects that you were pursuing that everyone was like, oh, no, you shouldn't be studying that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I loved um, studying, I, I loved uh, studying uh, cups. Cups, sorry, like cups. drinking cups, C-U- drinking cups, C-U-P-S. cups. Um, mm. with the cups, and I would go around and I would ask, "What is the origin of this naturally occurring object?" And they said, <laughs> "It is a, a simple tool used to hold liquids." And I would say, "It is a simple tool. It is nothing but. It is anything right. but simple. Naturally occurring." Mm-hmm. I'm you think sure, cups just are? I'm sure that there's some like you know rock formations that happen to. To end up in a cup shape. This is a like stretch, some, Jared. I don't think so. This is a I stretch. I don't think so. I gotta say, for the of the number of cups that exist in the world, I think most of them are crafted and most of them are made. Uh, uh, yeah, you think so? <laughs> I think, uh, I think maybe like 0.1% of cups are just that uh, shape. All right, I'm ready you know? to speak my Jared language. All right. This is uncanny. It has a consistent syntax. It is amazing. You could make uh, it almost feels like it feels like a bird person language, you know, like that. that could, oh, yes. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe a race of people that that uh, that have like feathered wings, not the eagles. Obviously, the eagles. Have oh, their no, own, no, no, no. I language. think these are more like the dodos <laughs> <laughs> on the verge of extinction. Jesus, uh, getting getting roasted over here. It's kill or be killed in my. Uh, in so my... you were Nietzsche were. Yeah. Studying cups and cups. people thought that that was unbecoming. Yes, be. well, people did not in, take the same interest in the cups as I did. And uh, I mm-hmm. let me ask you, let me ask you a question: How often do you use cups, and how often do you think about using your cups? Uh, I use them every day, mm-hmm. and I think about using cups zero times a day. Really? I, I agree. <laughs> this gets right to the heart of what I was trying to study as just a baby boy. Um, I would. Uh, I was fascinated by cups. I was building things with cups. I was trying to make friends out you of were, cups. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who who was describing this as unbecoming? <laughs> Everyone. Everyone in my life. I had my uh, my word upper I would use. And, uh, I had my upper and my father died when I was a very early age. But my all of my uh, evil sisters 
of uh, describing them. You see, it's this little boy. <laughs> this little boy is obsessed with cups. He's he's so he's crazy for these cups. Why is he studying these cups so closely? I uh, we don't care how this one crack got into this one cup. And I say, I need to find. I need to figure this out. How is this? How do these things form? And why why did we start using did these things? Anyone ever say, oh, people make cups? I. Because that, yeah, that really seems like that would have been the end of it if someone had just been, oh, people make them. But why? <laughs> but to, for to what? Hold, to hold liquids. This is not to good hold, enough. This li- is, I have a, such an inquisitive mind, and now I am experiencing the same oppressions that I did when I, I'm oh, honestly we, having flashback, and we, I, you're, you consider it unbecoming, we, certainly. We definitely, well, unbecoming is not the word I would use. I it's think it's unbecoming. what Mr. Tolkien's point I would was. Just, I'd just call it nerdy. Uh, I would say not, it is just unnecessary not, is what I would say. It is not becoming to be discussing <laughs> cups all the time. I, you, you have cups I, all the time. I say. If I go to my Starbucks and I say, wow, look at all these cups. Who designs these cups? Where do these cups, from whence do these cups come? What is the tradition of cups? They say, Friedrich, Friedrich, just take your cup. And I have quiz questions and no one will answer them. And it is very unbecoming. Oh and I agree, but it is it is very hard. You, know, you, seem, you seem to be getting really worked up about this. I think maybe we should move on to a different okay. topic because yeah. I really don't want to annoy you any longer. I want to know where the cups come from. <laughs> Mr. Tolkin, designed. Please. Mr. Okay. Tolkin, please. We're not trying to get, we're trying to get him uh, sucked into the cup. Exactly. Um, so let's that talk about, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about when you two were both really young and, um, uh, you know, Mr. Tolkien, you, when you were 19 years old, you and your friends started a secret society called the TCBS. Um, and it's a little bit vague, like what the TCBS was and like what you guys would do. So would you mind just like well, walking us through like what you guys would do and like how often you would meet? A lot like of that? people have said that it stands for the, uh, uh, Say the letters again. The uh, TCBS. Yes, the, the T- I can tell you what people said it stood yeah, for. Yeah, I know. It's the uh, it's the um it's a, a T and the G- tea club, club and Barrows uh, uh, Barovian Barovian society. society. Yeah, which is wrong. Oh, that's that's not what it was. No. So the Wikipedia is wrong about what the TCBS club was. TCBS, of course, stands for Time Out, cause <laughs> better sync it up, boys. <laughs> You know, Time out, because better sync it up, sync boy, it up boy, boy, one verse. Yes, well, that. it was our own spelling of 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 all of these words, <laughs> but they started with those. Wait, uh, I like how you said boyos at the end, but there's no last B. It's not the T C B S B. Sync society. it up, boyos is one word. Sync it up, boyos. Sync it up, boyos. Okay, and so why it was something why we did said you when we were... and your friends sort of secret society called Time Out because. Better sync it up, boyos. Is that right? That is perfectly correct. <laughs> and you know, we were outcasts. We mm-hmm. were nerds, and yeah. and we we liked fantasy, which was not cool then either. Mm. And um, you know, that was really just my dad's basement where we would get high and and write our stories. <laughs> it's and I would weird. say, "I'm Denethor, Stuart of Gondor," and C.S. Lewis would say. I'm Aslan. I go, oh, what, Aslan? Yeah, I'll take it on the take it on the Aslan. There is no way Aslan would lose in this conflict. <laughs> I, Aslan is the ultimate. I see Aslan mm-hmm. is... Well, against Denethor, yeah. Denethor was a real pushover. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah. I don't remember Denethor from the uh, from Lord of the Rings books. Can you... What, what was Denethor like? What was Denethor? Yeah. He was... Uh, <laughs> he, he was the steward of Gondor, uh, waiting for the king to right. return. Denethor. I didn't like the casting in the movie. He, he, was, was, a, he was the one who was a obsessed with licorice 
Uh, licorice. I'm sorry. I don't am remember I, this. Am I remembering this correctly? I mean, you're you talking to the author. Are you thinking of the scene so... where he pours uh, oil on himself and sets himself on fire? Yes, this must be what I'm thinking of. Well, that's not licorice. That's he's he's trying to he's trying to light himself on fire as a uh, form of suicide. Do you think that was like a licorice syrup or something? I thought he was pouring licorice syrup. <laughs> on him. I like that interpretation. Of I mean, it. it's very it's adorable. You know, it's very. Um, I don't is, know. I thought it was very adorable. I said this yeah. is a very beautiful way to die. Mm. I said he's he's pouring licorice all over his body and this dinosaur fell. And uh, burning his son to death. Oh, trying to burn his son to death. Faramir. Thank, thank goodness he failed. Oh, boy. Did you see that guy in Iron Fist? He's the bad guy in that show. Uh, yeah. Benamir. You know who I think the bad guy is in Iron Fist? Is, Everyone is in the it? the writer. Hello. Oh, oh, oh. Boom. Yes. I can't believe I watched every episode of that. <laughs> I can't either. I couldn't believe as it was happening. I had a hard time getting through the Defenders just because Iron Fist was in it and like the main person in it, too. Oh, boy. Well, but we are nerding yeah. out. <laughs> Story of my life. I did not get to the Iron Fist. I enjoyed the Daredevil very much. Daredevil was um, pretty yes. good. Fight I good. think the best was Jessica Jones. Absolutely. Of all of them. Yes, yes, right. yes. Um, but let's, uh, let's go back to Nietzsche for a moment. So yeah. you were relatively young, only 24 years old, when you were given your first tenure position yeah. as a professional uh, professor Excuse me, of classical philology yeah. at the University of Basel. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first of all, what is philology? Because I know what philosophy is, obviously, but that's, that's not even a... Sounds uh, like a word I would make up. A philology. Philology. Yeah, well, philology, philology. is uh, the study of uh, ancient languages okay. and uh, how they evolve. Um, and I was mostly concerned with the origin of the word cup. Um, <laughs> I was... <laughs> Yet a young so boy, even, I was only even 24. At 24. At 24, I wrote a treatise, um, and they did not like it, but they respected it. And by God, my okay. cops were able to get me a dissertation and uh, a tenure position because they they uh, uh, they respected my mind mm, um, okay. in the way that I was able to attack. Uh, you know, Plato drank a cup of hemlock. Oh, you think of Socrates? So I'm, I don't mean to uh, to um. To, to correct you, oh, ben Nietzsche. Notice. I know that this is your this is your. Uh, I understand your Socrates drank you know? a cup of hemlock. Yeah. Plato, people do not understand. Also drank a cup of hemlock because oh, he was yeah, jealous. Yeah. He was horribly jealous of Socrates. I didn't know this. I he guess got, this is what you you, when, you mean. Obviously, if you're an expert, you find out these little these little fun little tidbits. Well, but I had no idea. Yes, yeah, Plato. Also, did he die from the hemlock? No. Or was it, oh, okay. None. Plato actually had a resistance to the hemlock because he took. Uh, secretly, much like as a hero in The Princess Bride, he took a tiny bits of hemlock every day and increasing amounts. So he built up an immunity to the hemlock. So he was able to, he, he made, it was very showy. He put it in a stadium and he said, here are I, Plato, greatest mind of our time. We'll drink this cup of hemlock and I will survive. And That's, this is how I proved that, that I am sounds like a bottom. real showboat, that guy. <laughs> he was uh, insufferable. You know, I had he him was, on the show, and he didn't bring this up at all, which I think is really interesting. Well, I think it's kind of like the LeBron James decision type of thing, where it's kind oh. of like a black mark on his uh, on his public record. Yeah, that he that he did such grand, you know, showboating. Yes, you know? exactly. And I feel this, like calling uh, Plato uh, insufferable implies a much more intimate relationship with him than than one than uh, than someone who just studied him from afar, I like, thousands of years from afar. So intimate. You, you you say that you knew him, even though well, he died like like long before I you was even twenty four years old when I was tenured for philology. Do you understand? I do the understand kind of that. Mental energy and how intimately you must know these ancient.
ancient texts. But then how do to you be a, a wunderkind? Yeah, but then I, how do you know him if you didn't meet him personally? I know him through his texts. Okay. Yeah, I mean that makes sense, you know, but um I That's how I feel about George Harrison albums. <laughs> Extra texture, baby. Because you spent so much time with George Harrison's albums that you feel like you yes, know him as just a person. Reading the liner notes. <laughs> this is recently. This is a new thing. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously not one. How about you? Do 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 do. Well, let uh, me. Sorry. Let me ask you, Nishi. So you yeah. you you get this uh, esteemed position at such a young age. Yeah. How did this affect you? Like like your view of yourself and like how you interacted with people. Like, did it change you to 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 have this incredible honor yeah. at such a young age? I am not proud to say it, but I was showboating from a very uh, early stage in that uh, career. I Ooh, was very very uh, Plato like. You would say that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I was okay. shining my boots every morning um, to take it out. Uh, I would. When the sun was high, I would point at it and say, "One day I'm going to, one day I'm going to touch that orb," and I would tell my students, "I say, one day I'm going to touch that orb," and they would say, "Nietzsche, you are you are getting ahead of yourself," and I say, "No, one day that orb will abide in my house." And I did not understand. We did not understand what the sun was at that point. Uh, are so you I, sure you didn't? I'm pretty really sure you didn't. We did. We I did thought not, everybody knew what the we sun. We did not was. understand the implications of the sun. Uh, <laughs> We did not understand the underlying reasons behind the sun and how it behaved with respect to the will to power. You know, this is interesting <laughs> because, like, like a lot of things that that uh, you've written down in your philosophies, Nietzsche, yeah. like it, it really feels like you're saying something else. But there's like a, a almost like a almost like a deeper understanding where, like, when you say something like "God is dead," for example, yeah. you know, you don't necessarily mean that God is dead. You kind of like talking about the will of people's, um, uh, you know, drive through religion and stuff like that. And, I mean, it, it's very difficult to understand, but... Was that, uh, is that what you meant? <laughs> well, it is how it has been a, a very a generous interpretation of my meaning. Um, mm-hmm. Well, that, I, was, I was just kind of spitballing there. It know? was, uh, I picked, I, every morning I, I would wake up before dawn and I would pick up my journal and write everything that I had seen in the night before because we didn't understand what dreams were back then. I, we thought they wait, were portals to wait, another hold on a second. Land. We, we have yet to take a break, but I really want to talk more about your dream journals, Friedrich Nietzsche. <laughs> uh, we got to take a short break, but we'll be right back on Famous Dead People with J.R.R. Tolkien and Friedrich Nietzsche. Famous Stay people, with us. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead everybody just want to take a quick break from the show to remind you to subscribe to famous dead people on itunes or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts rate us five stars leave a comment tell your friends all about us that stuff helps us out a whole bunch yeah i recommend the show to your friends i don't see why you wouldn't do that since you like it so much uh feel free to hit us up anytime you like at famous dead people at radiofreebrooklyn.com you can send us feedback or if you have a famous dead person that you want to have on the show i would love to accommodate you a fan of the show and put your favorite famous dead person on here also go out and buy my book the kellyanne conway technique it's super funny go buy it at a bookstore go buy it online it is available to order right now and lastly if you really like the show and you want to send us some money go to radiofreebrooklyn.com slash famous dead people and click on the sponsor this show button all those donations help to keep awesome content like famous dead people on the air thanks again for listening and now back to the podcast famous dead people famous dead people famous dead Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave 
and ask them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are 19th century German writer and philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. Yeah. And the man behind the book, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings trilogy, early 20th century writer and poet J.R.R. Tolkien. Hello. And uh, so we were before the break talking to Nietzsche about how his um, uh, early tenureship kind of gave him a, a little bit of an ego. And he said he was going to touch the sun and put it in his house. And then also somehow we started talking about his dream journal and how we didn't and understand what dreams were at the time. He that people didn't know what dreams the sun or cups were. But here's the thing. Like, Jared, can we have a sidebar for a second? I mean, I, I suppose we can, but I... I I gotta tell you, I'm on Nietzsche's side. Excuse me, Nietzsche. All right. Everyone is on Nietzsche's side. I I have a crazy theory. Okay. I think Nietzsche is an imbecile. I don't see. I think that he's speaking above our heads. I think think you're reading into like really dumb. So much smarter than us. I'm gonna do a test. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll we'll just go back to Nietzsche. Hey, Fried, Friedrich, Freddy, baby. Um, Jared, this is a picture of an apple. I can see. I can see it's a picture of an apple. Well, okay. Tell me, what is this? That looks like a very rump behind. <laughs> yes, nice. <please>. Nice. <laughs> yes. So nice. No, yes, no, please. No, don't interpret. I can't high five that enough. Donka Donka for showing me that. I, I love he that. He literally picture. thinks that's the <laughs> answer. Yeah. I, you're reading into probably, it because uh, he's Nietzsche. He probably got that from Assland. Am I right? No, I, 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 you I, do not speak about Assland <laughs> like this. <laughs> I have I have one more test. Aslan is the most benev- benevolent sorry, fictional character you're likely okay, to know. And if he proves to be real, if if somehow C.S. Lewis I'm sorry, was I'm sorry. communicating with a world beyond our belief and Aslan proves to be real, he will be Fre- my best Friedrich, friend. Friedrich, I will be intimate Friedrich, with Aslan. Friedrich, look, look. Oh, I got your nose. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, what do you think about this? I got you? your nose. That is fascinating. Yet I can still smell. Huh. Perhaps the nose doesn't do as much as we've previously thought. Interesting. You see, Tolkien, he's operating on a level that is so far above the way that we process information. No, he above a one-year-old? No, above above like a regular person. We think that he's sounded like an idiot. He's actually playing like ninth-dimensional chess here in this conversation. Uh, you're right. You, say, you, need, you, you, you need to give him more credit, Mr. This is Tolkien. a dumb man. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. Well, let me. Uh, we'll go back to you for a minute. He's Mr. just Tolkien. staring at a butterfly out the window now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's beautiful. there's no way for us to know what's. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Tolkien, let's go back to you for a yes. moment. So, I'd like to ask you about your first and only love, Edith Mary Bratt. Uh, uh, you fell in love with her when you a, were 18 years old. What a brat that one! Mm-hmm. That's a very clever. Very what clever. did she do? Um, what did she it, it do? Just, it's just her last name was Brett, and so oh, I did not. You know, understand. Uh, so you the joke. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh that really killed the conversation. <laughs> I thought you were going to follow that up. I thought you were going to say like a joke. No, I something said that, that was a joke. Oh, it was a joke that gotcha. I called her a brat. Um, so it's you a... fell in love with her when you yes. were eighteen, but yes. your adopted father forbade you from uh, seeing her yes. or contacting her at all until you were twenty-one, and you did it. Parents, am I right? But I find that shocking. Like, why would you agree to that if this is the woman that you're in love with? Well, because then I'd have to talk to a girl. <laughs> but you were in love with her. You were talking to her already, weren't yes, you? Yes, but she was far more intriguing and beautiful in my mind from afar. Okay, so but she you... was my muse. Interesting. Okay, so yeah. like, how much contact were you having with her? When you fell in love with her and your adopted father was like, no, I can't. You can't do this anymore. Well, I saw like, her. about your interaction. Well, I saw her and um, I accidentally invented my own language. I was I was all like, you want to join my elf club? <laughs> and um, 
she thought she I say? was joking, and she <laughs> said, "You're very funny." And I ran away. Okay. I said, "I will marry that girl." And my my adopted father heard me and said, "Nine." I'm sorry. He was German. You, you, no, but he, he sounds loved, very German. Yeah, yes. that's a German thing to say. No, he was gambling at the time, and he, and was, he, just, oh. he was he was betting on nine. <laughs> And he always playing. bet on nine, and he never won. Mm. What game was he playing that he just chooses a number to bet? Was they playing <laughs> Nietzsche, a Nietzsche. Craps, baby. Uh, it could be craps. It could be... Craps? Uh, it could be the no game where spin you... Spin the wheel one. It could be a game where you bet on what the next card is going to be. You know, you could say, oh, oh yes. nine. He loved <laughs> guessing sounds- the card. <laughs> that sounds... <laughs> there was also betting... I do. That sounds like a very fun game. Yeah. He was also a big fan of audience, uh, a non-participatory war, where you go, I bet that you're going to throw down a nine. Mm-hmm. It was guess the card. It was guess the it card, was but there's the the some more steps in there. Yes. Um, but yeah, so then, so you had almost no interaction with this woman. You were in love with her. Your adopted father said, no, you can't see her. You spent three years not seeing her, and then you profess your love to her three years later when you're... When you're 21, and then she breaks off an engagement for you? Hey, yeah, even, baby. Even though she had no interaction with you also? Donkashen, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes, well, um, I will say... As a Nietzsche, game game respects game, I guess. Game respects game. <laughs> this, this, you have been reading me. Um, game respects game as a tautology. Mm-hmm. It, is what, it is what game is defined as, as mm-hmm. the respect for other game. And yeah. as a as a big uh, bachelor myself, I must um, applaud the effort. Yeah, well, and that's very romantic. This is actually, um, you know, one of the noted Nietzsche scholars claims that the reason why you had a life of solitude was because yeah. that you were homosexual. Yeah, I mean, and other people have like said that there's oh, there's no evidence for that. Like you're really reading way too much into his reading. But you're saying that it's because you were a, a bachelor. Is that yeah. right? It's true. Uh, well, back then the homosexuals did not exist. Um, oh, but- red flag. <laughs> Uh, they, were, they were men who had sex with other men, but this is just a man. This is just uh, a thing that guys just do. There's no title, no name for it. Mm-hmm. There's no name for this. I mean, um, there was, but. <laughs> well, we called it sporting, and we called it. Sporting. We called it, we let's go sport. Let's and go sport. We were, let's, <laughs> let us have a vigorous, let's have a go or a match. Let us go have a vigorous match. Well, what did in, you say um, when you were going to play sports? <laughs> yeah, if you wanted to play football or if you wanted to um you know do a little uh, tennis or something well like... it's just funny because uh, they we had a very similar vocabulary so when you were talking to all of your male friends and you said let us go sport on the field they might say on the field that is pretty randy and you said no i have the ball right here um and then, yes we have the balls right here too and they would say yes we have the balls right here too and i would say no 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 nine 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 i've licked your balls last night and they said you licked my soccer balls and they were, i would say no 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 i licked your real balls and they'd say my soccer balls are more real than you can imagine and i'd say with the eternal recurrence we don't know what is real this is incredible your recall for these conversations that you used to have when you were a kid well they would happen very often you understand the the confusion that is inherent in, in talking to your male friends and we didn't have much to do except for Sport and uh, sports and, and, and other sports. Obviously. German is famous for having many words that are very, very specific, but mm-hmm. also a few words that are that just, overly general that mean a lot of things. That, yeah. like sport. The language German is famous for that. Yeah. Mr. Yes. Tolkien, you are correct. And as as a linguist, as a studier of language, yes. you obviously be would be uh, uh, you obviously know about this connection between calling 
male and on male love sport and also every other sport sport. Oh, oh, time. oh, no. Injured. I think that's just him being an idiot again. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not entirely sure. I think you're sharing your bias here, Mr. Tolkien, because uh, I really, I, I, I want to take Nietzsche's word for this. Yeah. You know, everything that he says because is it so, makes you seem cool in so college. nuanced and layered, and it really has a lot to do with, like, how we see the world. Like, you, you're familiar with uh, perspectivism and how he eschewed uh, that in view of the idea of truth, aren't you, Mr. Tolkien? And uh, all I know about Nietzsche is that everyone's a big Tolkien fan until they get into college, and then they gotta look smart, and so they ditch me for this, for this. And then they switch to Nietzsche. Yeah. They no longer like Tolkien. Yes, because fantasy, you know, it's it's, it's magic. It's, it's you get lost in it, and then it's Nietzsche just... is hard truth. Yeah, it's amazing. I would. I was very surprised when I heard how many college students had my posters of my face up in their dorms, mm. and whose notebooks were adorned with my image. And, yeah, uh, they just go. They go wild for it's Nietzsche. Like that college. and jazz are like the two things that college kids pretend. That's to college. Like that is college in to a nutshell. A yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I didn't realize that you had this level of animosity for Nietzsche. That you felt like he was like uh, taking your fans away from you. Well, it's I've. Always have I'm a little bit irked for the cool kids. I understand. Well, well, it was my understanding that you know, like your books became more popular um, the longer that they were out, and it was my understanding right. that you it reached a certain level where you didn't like it anymore. Like you, you got too uh, popular for you. Yeah, I mean, uh, the only thing worse than being a nerd is being surrounded by nerds. Okay, you know? so you didn't like how it was like a siren call for other nerds to come hang out with you. Oh yes, I'd have them come to the university and say, Professor Tolkien. Uh, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but in chapter three, Tom Bombadil, uh, it doesn't make sense that the, the story goes, Erwin in the other, and they're all Baradur, and Moss, Moss Eisley, a space station, and I was like, that's not a thing, <laughs> because it's the 60s, you dum-dum, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? That's a very specific story, that okay. part of it. But I've always thought it was most icy. <laughs> I saw Which is ironic icily. because that station is not icy. No, it was in the uh, the the very hot planet in the first Star Wars it movie. Was a source, it was Tatooine. a source of great confusion for me because I ha- said most icy. This is not very icy, especially compared to Hoth. Yes, Hoth, 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 which should have been called Colt. Am I right? It should have been oh. called uh, <laughs> Supreme Icy Groansville. <laughs> I tell you, Hoth- wait. Mos Eisley was in the first movie. It yes. was it was on the planet that Luke was coming from. But that was Tatooine. Wasn't, that wasn't yeah. Tatooine, was it? It sure was. No, Tatooine was the planet that got destroyed in the first one. No, that's one. Alderaan. Alderaan. That's right. Don't make me out nerd myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yeah. let me uh, let me ask you this, uh, Mr. Tolkien. So you wrote and published The Hobbit in the late 1930s. Yes. Uh, but the Lord of the Rings trilogy wasn't published until 1955. Why did it take you so long to write the next? three books. Wasn't there an urgency in continuing the story that you started with The Hobbit? I'll, I'll be truthful with you. Okay. I spent nine and a half years writing a story about Tom Bombadil in the forest outside the Shire. Tom Bombadil, the man who could turn into a bear, right? No, that's Borm Bor- Bor- or something like that. Bjorn. Okay. Yeah, I'm getting my I'm getting my Tolkien characters confused. Oh, this is in Lord of the Rings. It's, okay. It's like 75% of that first book. It is totally pointless. Okay. They Tom- cut it out of the movie. Yeah. But boy, and I was like, oh, let's just let the rest happen. What uh, happens with this Tom Bombadil? Yeah, I'm, I'm completely forgetting this character. He's like an all... If it's only in the books, the hobbits go into the forest and they get pulled into the ground by tree trunks and he's like, I'm Tom Bombadil. I'm... I'm I've been around for all time. I spent 12 goddamn years with this character. So and you I was were like, just writing a lot about that one guy. Oh, Tom fucking Bombadil. 
he'd sing these songs. The full history was all powerful. And then I was, I was basically like, I'm sick of this. Perhaps this is a, you don't seem to like him. Perhaps this is a real man who lives somewhere. <laughs> Perhaps this is some, a real man who lives somewhere in your head. Is Tom Bombadil, an actual person oh. to you, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'll take that. I'll take these cartoonish noises as a yes. Many uh. times I think Aslan is real. Mm-hmm. And he comes to me and I say... I cannot, I cannot uh, enjoy you more. Can I say, when you were sporting with the boys, uh, was in which a- sense do you mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we're talking about in the sense that it has balls. Was there Asland involved in sporting? <laughs> well, we you know were, the answer to that well, my team was the Aslands uh, uh, for many times. We were the Lions, and then it was changed to the Aslands. Um, mm-hmm. And then when we were and all so sporting were the- together, it is, I believe, it is called. Um, yeah, I don't know. It is. Uh, uh, we were all uh, sporting. We were all very wet, and um, <laughs> we got got hot and wet, uh, and we we scored a lot with each other. And uh, uh, then it's very the, back and forth here. Well, and we would that. beat we would beat each other off um, the field, <laughs> and I would go to the field accepting a vigorous beating. Okay, and I would and such a such a beating I would receive every time. <laughs> And I loved I loved sports as a child. This I was very is a competitive. Sport, I it's be... a combination of water polo, sumo wrestling, mm-hmm. being beat off the court. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. all aware of all the double entendres here, Mr. Tolkien. You do not need to rehash them all for us. Well, this is a problem with the language. And it's, very, it's important it, to as study. As you said, Mr. Tolkien, it's a very vague and unspecific language in, in certain times, in certain areas. Except when it's incredibly specific. So we just want to clarify. So this is when you were playing... For the Basel Aslans, that was your team yeah. in Basel, where you yeah. were teaching. You were uh, the Basel Aslans. Uh, yes, I was very arrogant, and I. <laughs> Is it Basel or Basel? I don't know if it's Basel or Basel. Basel Aslan sounds better. Basel Aslan, yeah, it could, ba- that could work. be the Bassass. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us, you're listening to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are the English writer and poet behind the Lord of the Rings trilogy, J.R.R. Tolkien. Hello. And 19th century German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. Yeah, I see So, Mr. Nietzsche, um, you know, uh, I'd love to ask you about some of your philosophical contributions to to the world because, you know, I find your writing to be a little complex, as we said before. A lot of it goes over my head and obviously Tolkien's head because he just thinks that you're, you know, making things up like an idiot. Uh, I'm the only Uh, not not crazy (laughs) one here. Hello. So let me ask you about, uh, tell us a little bit about your critique of religion and the religious morality, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, well, I thought um, most religion was um, pretty cool growing up um, until uh, one time at my uh, church, I was raised Catholic and uh, go Catholics, go Catholics. And I, but, uh, one time at my church, I was coming up and I wanted one of the wafers. And uh, I said, Oh, please give me one of these delicious wafers. And they, they said, You have not received your first communion. And I say, The communion, it is not possible since God is dead. And at that point, um, they kicked me out of the church because I was a precocious child. And I said, And on my way out, I was like, Please, may I take a sip from that cup? And if I may not take a sip from the cup, may I study the cup in order to de- uh, glean some more relevance to it okay. and understand oh, where this religious cup has come from. And they said, you have scorned this church and you have scorned your own name. And ever since then, it's been an exploration against... I, I, uh, the- hmm. No one has ever 
giving you an answer to where did this cup come from. In in all the years that you were studying cups, I not nobody, one that is satisfied. Ever answered you? No one has given me a satisfactory answer. What on if where I told you? From. So if I just you know, it, would it satiate your curiosity? Would it would it yeah. complete the circle for you if I just told you where cups came from? Like this coffee cup right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know? Yeah. Okay, well, it's a paper cup. Uh-huh. So someone chopped down a tree. Uh-huh. Um, they uh, uh, they cut the wood into wood chips. You and then don't they, need to go through the whole process. Of how I you think make I do. Paper. And they, they they shredded it into mulch or a pulp, and they added water. So this is... And they flattened it. Just for it. our listeners, this yes. is J.R.R. Tolkien <laughs> describing to Friedrich Nietzsche how paper is made to then be turned into cups. Just and, then, and then somebody uh, shaped it into a cup, rolled it, put a bottom on it, and a little glue stuck it together and put a, a wax coating in it so that it would not leak, and then poured coffee in it and gave it to me. Mm-hmm. That, is the, that is the origin of that cup. That seems unlikely, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Look at what you're holding. It seems so simple and pure, and it I'm, seems like I'm, I could go out into nature and find a cup tree and really, be able to pluck one up. I will tear this apart. Look, it's just I, merely paper. I, really, with, with Occam's razor, I uh, eliminate this option of uh, your, really your, your vague story Beautiful. That this the mystery that man has, has done all of this going, work. I'm going to make a cup. A single a... man cutting down a tree... <laughs> Crushing it to pulp. Listen, Who I'm, is this man? <laughs> is, is he God himself? Look, I'm in, Who ra- is this, I'm in is Radio Free Brooklyn. Tolkien, um, Tolkien. I, this here's is... a postcard. I'm, I'm circling this postcard. I'm going to put a bottom on it. Give me your water bottle. Yes, mm-hmm. and pour water you into it. You have made an it antichrist to the wonderful cup. <laughs> this is an abomination. This, this, is is, this is an abomination is what you have made. And it, uh, is, and it is disrespectful, and it is disgusting to me. There is a lot of depth to this, Tolkien. Do you not see? No. Do you not see this the layers? This man has the intelligence <laughs> of a four-year-old baboon. A, right. cabin, a cabin a man can construct, but okay, a cup, so, no. So- <laughs> Mr. Nietzsche, Mr. Nietzsche, yeah, you know, uh, so you you told us about your story about like how you were originally incensed by the church, but like what what's your general philosophy about the church, about the the religious morality? It says it says in the Wikipedia that you were critical of religion, yeah. Like what what's your what's your is it just that they they kicked you out without giving you a wafer and and wouldn't tell you the origin of the cup? Is that the only reason? Is that the only criticism that you have of religion? The church is harder than most rocks, and I know this because I would. <laughs> I would throw rocks at the church in defiance of it. And I say, why are you, you are made of stone and yet you are stronger than stone. What is this magic that is going on? So, and you are stronger than wood because I, I would hit it with planks of wood. Are you, so saying, you, are are you saying that this is so deep? That this is, this is, I think this is known as a synecdoche mm. where we think you're talking about the church. But you you didn't mean the larger church. You meant the literal one church one building, building. One church that building. You were against. But uh, <laughs> there's a church. I was against the church. You are you are running uphill here, Tolkien. I was one I was one on one with this church and I was seeing how I could take it down. And ever since people have lauded my efforts against the religion mm-hmm. because but I challenged this what church. What do you think of you know the, the the passage in the Bible where Jesus says to God, If this cup may pass me by Please let it. But if I must drink from, I'm paraphrasing. But <laughs> if I have to drink from this yeah. cup, which is a metaphor for, do I have to die for the sins yeah. 
Uh, how did you interpret that? Because well, there's a cup involved. It's interesting because as a philologist, I know for a fact that whenever the word cup pops up in the old text like that, it is just meaning they're putting their hands together and finding and f- putting yeah, liquid in it. Yeah. And they so are cupping their he hands. He would say like cup your hands. He would say like make a cup with your hands. Yeah. So or, this or is not... You're saying they did not have cups They did then? not. Which <laughs> in, it increases the mystery Which, of where these but, cups came but from. But you said they occurred naturally Tolkien, in nature. Tolkien, yeah. obviously he's, I'm not letting it go! Obviously he's speaking metaphorically. No! Obviously he knows that there were cups back then. I oh, write, Jesus, I so what, what Jesus says to God is he says, if I cup my hands and the water passes me by, so if I cup my hands and due to an insufficient uh, suction... Uh, with my hands against one another, if so, if so, if it will flow through my hands, well, then I will have much embarrassment, and there will be egg on according my. According to your own philosophy, yeah. if Jesus tried to make a cup with his hands, it would be an abomination. It would be the antichrist. This is why they crucified him. Oh wow, that is deep. So is Jesus oh, the devil? So smart, unbelievable. I mean, in a sense, right? Wouldn't you say, Nietzsche? Stop. In a <laughs> sense, Jesus credit. is the exact devil because he he says he says every cup shall hold my blood. Mm, he said every cup shall hold my blood. Yeah, which, this, uh he did not he had never seen a real cup in we his could, life. Listen, oh, we could, we could unpack this for hours. Yeah. Obviously, it's not a dumb thing to say. What about the Holy Grail? I, the I refuse grail. to drink Jesus' blood. <laughs> the Holy Grail was at Mr. the Tolkien. Last Supper. Let's ask, let me I'll ask you a little I'm bit pissed. more about Middle Earth. I, and do, not, I do not wish like to talk that. about the Holy Grail. So there's a story about uh, when you were young, when you were a kid, when you were three years old, yes. you were born in South Africa, yes. uh, you were bitten by a spider. And some people say that that was like, you know, the reason why spiders played so heavily in the Lord of the Rings universe. Uh, but obviously, you were too young to remember that. But I'm no, wondering. I, re- I remember that there was a little. Oh, really? There was a little girl in my pre-kindergarten class, or whatever it was called. Pre-kindergarten. In, in uh, yes, it was very young, preschool. Okay. And um, what was her name? Her name was da- Donna. Donna. Yeah. The classic South African name. Donna. Okay. And um, Good and she was across the fence in the girls' school, and she had caught a big spider, and she said, "Hey." J-R-R, which I insisted on being called. <laughs> Even when you were three years old. I started it then and then brought it back in middle school. Okay. If I were a and child, she... I would just call you Jar. 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 Jar right. <laughs> and she uh-huh. she uh, uh, said, hey, hey, J-R-R. And I said, yes. And she lobbed the spider at me and it landed on my face. Oh, she lobbed. And that is how you came to call that character she lob then, right? Is that what you're getting at? Oh my Mr. Tolkien? Oh my the god. Giant spider. Oh my god, I'm just she realizing lobbed. that everything in the Lord of the Rings is something that happened to me embarrassing Wait, in my I'm, life. I'm sorry, so you didn't know no, that I, that was a connection that no, you No, I just until you said it out loud, she lob. So who is this Tom Billabop person? That you <laughs> yeah, right was, that, was that an actual person? Well, let me go back into my past. <laughs> uh, I'm in class. Uh, I knew it. Uh, oh, he's having like a little trance where he's, uh, he's back I'm in his own in body. I'm in World War One. I'm back in World War One. My friend Tom, he's oh, he's in the pickle factory. Oh no, there's innocent oh, women no. and children. Don't bomb Nine. the dill factory. Oh, no. Tom, bomb the dill. Wow. No. <laughs> Oh, uh, Tolkien, Tolkien, come back to us. Come back to us, Tolkien. Oh, yes, I was back. Oh, my God. Wow, that was an incre- incredible, incredible 
memory that you just she had. She bombed then. the spider. And Tom, don't bomb the dill factory. Don't wow. bomb this, all the children in the dill factory. That is, Sad. yeah, that's incredible. I mean, you know, there, there's so much to unpack here. Like, I'd love to talk more about, <sighs> you know, the connections from your characters oh, to your I actual life. I'm sure there's more. When I'm I went sh- to Jamaica <laughs> and I said, I'd like some jerk chicken. And they said, sure, jerk. And they gave it to me and it was so sour. And I, and I was trying to speak the language. I don't know where like, we're going here. I was like, oh, this is pretty sour, man. <laughs> they said, it's a sour man? <laughs> is it pretty, sour man? Yeah. It's pretty sour, man. Sour man. Sour man. Wow. I said, you're evil. You're going to be a villain in my book. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah, I'm sure that there are a thousand of those. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to list we don't, all 1,000. We don't have time for it, unfortunately. Um, let me, let's me let go back to Nietzsche for a moment. Yeah. Um, and we, we might only have time for this last question here. So um, one of the things that I found fascinating about your life story is that after your death, uh, your sister reworked some of your un- unpublished writing <sighs> to fit her German nationalist ideology. And your work then became associated with fascism and Nazism. Yeah. Uh, did that upset you? Do you wish that your that your work hadn't become a, uh, a symbol for Hitler and the Nazis? Yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say that I don't like that my work was used as a symbol for the Nazis. <laughs> well, listen, I don't this, know if you are a student of history, but the this, Nazis are not looked on kindly well, by listen, the rest I, of the I world. Would love for you, there's a lot of people that I would love for you to refresh. Like, you know, in this day and age, yeah. there are a lot of people that are like, well, were they, there's a lot of uh, sort of like moral Objectivism going on right now, yep. where the Nazis are concerned. So I don't think it's a dumb question. To be I like, think it is a pretty dumb that? question, <laughs> as far as I can tell. But I am a very smart man. So mm-hmm. that's there, like of that, all of the questions you ask. Of that, there is no question about how smart of a man you are. I am very smart. Um, mm-hmm. But what was it exactly that you that didn't jibe well with you? I mean, there's obviously the you know the the genocide or anything. But from a philosophical level, was there anything that bothered you about what the Nazis were doing? Yeah, I think um, there were a lot of problems. Um, this uh, so take the Ubermensch for example. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. a this is what I call a tall man. Okay, and this is has been uh, described as a very tall man, and they say this is a superior man. But actually, in my day and time, a, a tall man was not superior because basketball wasn't invented yet. Okay, and the only one of the main games was the hide and find. So, <laughs> <laughs> not hide and seek. The hide and find. The hide and find. Mm-hmm. Why would we call it hide and seek? It doesn't rhyme. It's not as good. <laughs> That's a fair point. It doesn't, it doesn't rhyme in English. It doesn't rhyme in English, oh, okay. and so why would and they, the, all they call it? All the tall it? boys, we say, you are little freaks. You are giant uh, weird boys. Go hide in the big spaces, and then... They would, <laughs> but you cannot hide in the big space because it is the big space. Mm. So all of the t- tiny children would win in the hide and find, and that was the main uh, grade we would get in our schools. You wait, so <laughs> the grade that you got when you were a kid was based on how good you were at what we call hide-and-seek? Yeah, Interesting. Okay. I, I was excellent in hide and Wait, fight. so then, then why did your work um, praise the Ubermensch? Was it was it like an ironic it praise? It was so ironic. It was the most oh, hilarious thing I'd ever written was satire. about the Ubermensch. That makes a lot I, of sense. There was this idiot who <laughs> was in my grade, and he was this tall, gangly moron. Mm-hmm. And he could not praise a hide and find for, for anything. And he was a disgusting, tall, gangly man. 
Mm. And it was a little boy at that point. And he grew up to be a terrible, gangly man. And he still probably is no good at the hide and find. Interesting. Well, yeah, that is fascinating. And I mean, the, the fact that then that was then used as propaganda material for, you know, Nazism to be yeah. like, oh, you know, we are the Ubermensch. We are the tall men, they, you know. Uh, and the Nazis, yeah. terrible at hide and find. Mm-hmm. They found a, We found them immediately. Well, they were really good at the finding, to be fair. To be fair, they were great at the finding. That's I just true. want to remind everybody that my last yeah, name is Berenstein. <laughs> As I'm saying that. Uh, and that is all the time that we have for this week's episode of Famous Dead People. I would like to thank my guests, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche yeah. and uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, for joining me in the studio today. Um, I do have yeah. one final question for you both. I know it's a little weird, but I'd like to end every show by asking if you have any uh, comedy shows or Twitter accounts that you want to, that you're fans of, that you want to tell people about. Uh, Mr. Mr. Nietzsche, anything you want to tell people to check out? Uh, yes, you can follow me at uh, Sad William on Twitter, and you can see me performing at uh, The Magnet in the Friday Night Show in Megawatt. And at the Upright Citizen Brigade at Droid Night. Mm, wait, wait and, we uh, can see you, Nietzsche? Let's, uh, let's not. Okay, great. All right. <laughs> Just never mind. Why don't and, you uh, shut up? <laughs> well, you can see me, J.R.R. Tolkien, performing Saturday Nights at the Magnet Theater uh, in the show Trike. Uh, check that one out. Mm-hmm. Why don't you? All right. And uh, I'm, of course, your host, Jared Berenstein. You can check out my website, jaredberenstein.com, and also go out and buy my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is available now, and it is hilarious. I hope that you will buy it and love it and rate it and tell everybody how great it is. If you'd like to ask your favorite dead person a question, please email that to us at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.com. We'll try to have them on as soon as we can. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Famous dead people.